Well, good morning. It's good to see you. If you're still looking for seats, yeah, over here is great. We are probably in need of buying more chairs, so that's always a good, always a good problem to have. So, um, I love stories like that with Dave, and I, there are two other stories that I just want to uh, say real, real briefly. Um, they're not here. They're actually on another filming uh, shoot right now in California. But uh, Dave and Kathy, I know many of you are at their, their screening at the Ambler Theater. I'm just really proud of Dave and Kathy, and I'm proud of you all for supporting and encouraging them in their effort. It was great to look around the theater and see so many Renew people there supporting them. I just love the stories that are coming out of that time. And also, Renew, I'm really proud of you um, for the last gathering that we had and the way we really rallied around a hurting brother. And uh, I'm grateful that we're at a church that can allow for those interruptions to happen and that uh, you know, ministry happens in the interruptions. And so I'm grateful for you all uh, jumping in uh, in the midst of that. But if you're just joining us uh, here at Renew for the first time or, um, or just in the last couple weeks, we've been trying this experiment, something we're calling an experiment, where instead of teaching new content and then allowing the house churches to interact with it like we normally have done, we flipped it so the house churches talk about it first and then you all, as you've discussed it, we then look at the passage together and we learn from each other as we've brought that. So I want to encourage you to turn to Luke chapter 7. And also, by the way, we're really, um, we really want to strongly encourage you to use paper Bibles. I'm going to try to do that. I normally teach off an iPad, but I'm trying to use mine. If you don't have a paper Bible, it's okay. There's a blue box right in the back on the table over there that's full of a lot of extra Bibles. You're more than welcome to borrow that, return that. If you don't have a Bible, well, one of Bible, you're more than willing to talk with us to take one of those Bibles, but that's there to see if we can just actually open it up um, and, and learn together with that uh, on our laps. You know, the, the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John can be a detox program for us uh, to help us flush out the damaging views and inaccurate thoughts about Jesus. And sometimes we need that detox to get those impurities out. And I don't know about you, but it's been really good to see uh, us together learning some things and maybe even unlearning some things because we, we don't simply want to worship Jesus. We actually want to follow Him too. And I think this is helping us do that in this. So, um, And I just, love the, I just love, love, love the stories that are coming out of the house churches and the way that you all are wrestling with this. So um, this is really exciting. Let me give you a little bit of background on this story. Then Casey Gerhardt's going to come and read the passage. We're going to discuss it in smaller groups, and then we're going to we're going to learn together in the larger setting. So let me give you some of that that feedback here, uh, some of that background that may help us understand and and enhance our discussion. Okay. So in the the passage that we see in Luke seven is similar, but it's a different story than the Mary Magdalene passage. That it's very similar, but it is a different story. The Mary Magdalene passage, she comes in and, and, and she, she does this with Jesus' feet. That's in Matthew, Luke, and John. But this particular story is the only one recorded, and it's recorded in Luke. So let's not confuse those stories. But it says that there's perfume. Perfume. And it was probably, what was probably used was either myrrh or what's called spikenard. Spikenard, or also called nard. Now it's a flower or a plant. You can see some pictures up here uh, behind me. This is nard. And, um, yeah, next slide. Now, I just want to make sure for those of you who are um, fans of The Office, this is not to be confused with the Nard Dog. Okay, this is completely different. 
Um, but Nard, and here's what I'm going to do. Um, actually, Spike Nard, I think, would be a great name of a band, don't you? Like, it's awesome. Have you heard Spike Nard? They've got a sweet album coming out. Anyway, um, so I actually went online to Amazon this week and actually ordered some bottles of Spike Nard. Okay? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand these around. And I just want to encourage you, just, you can open it up and, and you can put a dab on your wrist, you can put it on your finger or whatever, you just want to take a whiff. But um, this is Spike Nard, and uh, yeah, we'll just, we'll just rotate it around. Now, I will warn you, it is pungent, it is powerful. In fact, some of you, when you smell it, may be like, are you serious? This is perfume? Uh, and I'll say yes, but remember, we're a bit spoiled in the 21st century where we have lotions and deodorant and perfume that's a little bit more advanced, okay? But as you're smelling this, realize that this may be one of the most beautiful smells that you might have ever smelled in the first century, okay? So at least smell it, at least to experience it, and then when you, as you smell it and it's powerful, you may not like the smell of it, but I want to encourage you with this. That is the smell of what honors God's heart, That is the smell of desperation. That is the smell of the kingdom. As we'll see in this story. Okay? So it says that um, that this nard, this spike nard, uh, this perfume, most likely nard, was in an alabaster jar. I'll show you a picture of an alabaster jar as well. Now whenever you would have a thing of perfume in an alabaster jar, when you broke it, you broke the seal, you'd actually have to break the bottle open, meaning it's a one-time use. I'm just putting the stopper back in, or that, and that's it. No, no. Once you broke it open, that was it. One-time use. And it was saved for incredibly special occasions. We're talking burials. We're talking weddings. We're talking births. Incredibly, incredibly expensive. So expensive that you might have this passed down from your grandparents to your parents down to you because there may not even be a special enough occasion to bust it open. Okay? Thousands and thousands of dollars. Okay? A little extra background. We hear in this story about a denarius. Let me show you a picture of a denarius. Okay? You work for one day out in the field. When you got off, the worker, the foreman would hand you one of these. This is one denarius. Okay? Plural is denarii. Denarius, singular. Denarii is plural. Okay? The story that we're going to look at says it's a sinful woman. Now, sinful woman is a euphemism for a prostitute, for a slut. Okay? So this isn't just, she just, you know, she lied to her friend the other day. Okay? Let's think, I want you to think of a hooker, of a slut in this particular case. Okay? And it says that they were reclining at the table. This is not a table like this where we pull up a chair. It's much more like a, a low coffee table where you would actually be reclining probably uh, propped up on a pillow, on a forearm, and you would be eating with your other hand. Okay? So you're just lounging. You're hanging out. Okay, so your feet would be off to the side or behind you while you were lounging, uh, facing forward. Now, a couple of social taboos you need to know about. Women would never show their hair in public. You'd always have it covered. And if it were up, you would never let your hair down in front of other people, too. Hard for us to understand now. Many women in this room have their hair down, and it's not uh, seen as any big deal. But in the first century, that was too promiscuous. You would never see that. You would never do that. And oil was poured on people's head and hair, not on their feet. In fact, nobody touched their feet. You touch your own feet, but you never touch someone else's feet. 
No matter how good the host would be, the host would never wash the feet of their guests. You'd leave it to the host's servants. The slaves would do it. That's how disgusting feet were in that particular culture. Okay? And we see in this story about Pharisees. Now, it says his name was Simon. Simon's a very common name. Okay? Bill, Bob, Mike. Uh, and there are lots of Simons in Scripture. But for us to understand this, I want us to just look at this one quick point before we read, because this matters. There are four Jewish sects, S-E-C-T-S, we've talked about this before, four religious groupings of people. And we see a slide here, I think. I think I made a slide, maybe not. The Pharisees were the first group. The Pharisees, actually I'm going to go the back way. The Essenes, the Essenes, the Dead Sea Scrolls were found among the Essenes. Now the Essenes were like the Amish. They just totally wanted to culturally get away from everything. Okay? The zealots believed that they had the right to kill in the name of God. They were the Jewish Al-Qaeda of the first century. Okay? The Sadducees were naturalists in the sense that they believed you should be moral. They were the moralists. You, you should be moral, but they didn't believe in anything supernatural. No miracles, no healings, no heaven, no hell, no angels, no demons, nothing supernatural. Just moralistic people. Okay? And this is, again, a silly way to remember it, but you won't forget it. That's why they were sad, you see. Because they didn't believe in anything supernatural. Okay? And then the last group, the Pharisees, were the pietists. We want to make sure we're being holy, we're careful about what we do and what we don't do, what we touch and what we don't touch, and that is the way we honor God. Okay? Now, these four groups, which group do you think Jesus was more associated with theologically? It would be the Pharisees. And yet, who is the group that Jesus slams the most? The Pharisees. Let that sink in. Sometimes we say, oh, those Pharisees are terrible. Jesus even says in Matthew 23, do everything the Pharisees teach you to do. You ever notice that? I've been tempted to say, oh, it's fair. Everything they do is ridiculous. They're terrible. They're enemies. Jesus says, do exactly what they say. But He slams them the most, not because of what they believe, but because of how they act or refuse to believe, or refuse to act based on those beliefs. It wasn't what they believed. It's what they did based on what they believed that Jesus ripped them. I think it's really important because it relates to this story. Okay, now, with that background information, and you've got Luke 7 open, I want to encourage you to stand. And Casey Gerhardt's going to come, and she's going to read. Starting, We're going to start in verse 34. So would you stand as this is being read? The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, Here is a glutton and a drunkard friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is proved right by all her children. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, so he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, 
If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much, but he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. These are the words of God. You may be seated. Thank you, Casey. Well, we're going to look at some of those same questions. We want you to get in groups of two, three, or four. There's people around you. Introduce yourself to them if you don't know them. And, uh, and we're going to look at these questions. We'll put the slide up on the screen. So if you wonder uh, what we're talking about, these are the, the questions that we want you to wrestle with for the next five uh, to ten minutes. And then we're going to discuss it all together as a group. Okay? All right. Ready? Go. Okay. All right. Why don't we uh, Why don't we turn our chairs back towards the front? I know we could keep I know we could keep going and talking about this, but let's hear. We want to hear from each other. And let me start by saying this too, the feedback that we got from last week, I can hear you all, but I'm hearing that not every one of you can hear everybody else. So if you just can't hear, just raise your hand or put your hand on your ear and I'll just repeat it. I just, I want to make sure we're all hearing people's feedback. Does that make sense? So you're not being rude, just raise your hand or, or cup your ear or whatever and I'll make sure we repeat what's being said. So, um, yeah, I, I, think, I think we get a general grasp of what's happening in this passage what did you like about it or what did you not like about it? What were some of the elements of this story that were jolting or comforting? Maybe we can stand when we give our feedback too so we can hear even better. So, yeah, Ken. I really uh, love that I keep coming back to she is worshiping Jesus huh. and showing us how to worship Jesus in the process of what she's doing. Huh. Showing us how to worship. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, desperately, and, you know, things like that. Yeah. Good. You like that or you don't like that? I'm assuming you like that. I like. You like it. I liked it. It was raw. It was raw. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. April. I like to say that I don't like that. Huh? You don't like that? Yeah. Yeah. This crazy woman is like. First of all, what is she doing in this place? Yeah. Is she there for 
services? Is she there? Like, how did she get in there? She just walked into this dinner party? That's crazy to me. Yeah, great question. Super distracting and like wailing and crying and pulling her hair down. And I would, just, I would be like, what the? Yeah. Here? Yeah. 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 Let's, let's talk a little bit about that awkwardness. Because, and I'm really glad we brought, this has come up. Because it's easy to read the Bible with these really rosy glasses. But I, I want you to just let this sink in a little bit, okay? How awkward would this be, okay? Let's say even someone of great reputation right in the middle of my teaching right now were to come up and unlace my shoes, take my shoes off, take my socks off, and start crying, touching my feet, putting some... some <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> putting some perfume on it, and I continued teaching and not telling that person to stop. I think you would have the same reaction as Simon. Time out, JR. We're not listening to your teaching. This is distracting. <laughs> Do something. Now we're laughing, and I think we're laughing out of awkward l- laughter. But if that actually happened, I think you'd go home and say, Honey, maybe we need to think about whether we go back to that church or not. Because I think that should have been corrected, and I just... Why did JR not say something? I mean, let this sink in. This is a real story with real awkwardness. I don't know if I could have, besides Joey, convince you or paid you to do that to me. Okay? So, I mean, just, just let that sink in. That is so awkward. And then in the midst of that, Simon is thinking what all of us are probably thinking. And Jesus, to the host who invited him to dinner... Slams them. Jesus slams the host. By the way, in terms of the weeping, can you think of a time where you wept so badly that you could soak someone's feet? There's been only one time in my lifetime. And it was the moment that Bennett's birth mother was saying goodbye at the hospital for the last time. Birth mom was wheeled in the wheelchair down to the end of the hall. We could hear her weeping down the hallway, echoing off the walls. And when the door shut, and it was just Megan and I with Bennett for the first time, I had him in my lap like this and I cried so badly for the next 10 to 15 minutes. I didn't open my eyes. Megan was weeping next to me. Megan wept so badly she, her nose started bleeding. She's in the bathroom and it just looks like a war zone. Like just blood all over the bathroom. When I opened my eyes, Bennett was so soaked in his clothes and his blanket we had to change his clothes. Only time in my life I've ever wept so badly that I could actually generate enough that could like wipe someone's feet probably. 
That's a lot of desperation for this woman to weep that badly. Even if someone was in this room and didn't come up and do that to my feet, but was in the back weeping that badly, that would be awkwardness you would remember for a long time. Like, so just feel, yeah, I'm with, I'm with you, April. Like, I like this and I don't like this. Like, this is awkward. This is as tense as it gets. So, yeah, Liam. There's perspective there. She gets it. There's a size in the room. Shot deal. She's got a three-year window. She doesn't know when she's going to run into this guy again. He's her only shot. So, yeah, yeah, it's weird and it shakes and it feels insane. But she knows better than anybody else in the room other than Jesus what's actually happening. Mm. And I think that in our faith every day, because we have accessibility to the throne room, we sort of take it for granted and it's rope for us. Huh. But really, if we have an accurate perspective of what it's like to just pour forth the heart for the throne of grace, this is how we respond to himself. Yeah. So she's pretty good at this. Yeah, there's a lot to learn from her, right? I mean, the kingdom is upside down. The people that, that think that they've got it going on <laughs> don't. And those that we think don't have it going on are getting it, right? Now, think of the Bartimaeus story we looked at two weeks ago. There, Jesus seems to really... Jesus is good at making awkward community work in the Bartimaeus story. Do you notice in this story, Jesus has a way of making working community awkward? Awkward community he made work with Bartimaeus. Working community he made really awkward. He's just totally catching me by surprise in these stories. What are some other ways you're seeing the Bartimaeus story and this story? Let's compare and contrast. What's similar and what's different? What's that? Outcast. Yeah, he focuses attention on the desperate, on the outcast. Yeah, good. What else? Yes, Caleb. Yeah, like Bartimaeus, this woman's life is going to change forever. You bet. Great. Great. Yes. They both had great faith and persistence. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, Joey. So, that was one thing we were talking about. The, the life has been changed, right? But in the Bartimaeus story, you see that you know, Bartimaeus got up and started walking with Jesus. In this story, you don't know if she has changed. Yeah, yeah. Bartimaeus walks with Jesus, but we don't know what happens to this woman. I, I, I want there to be three or four more verses of like, and then she... Right? It's not there. It's like a cliffhanger. So, uh, the house church I was at, I was with the Alums and, uh, on Sunday, and there was great conversation. And somebody brought up, I forget who it was, said, what was the woman's life like the next day? Any of you talk about that in your house churches? Or, or in your discussion here? What was, what was it like the next day? That would be a fun... I mean... Wouldn't you love to sit down with this woman and say, like, what were you thinking? Why did you come in the house? How did you get in the house? And what happened the next day? I'd love to ask her that. Yeah. Yeah. What else? Any other uh, compare and contrast? Yes, Lisa. In both stories, Jesus is showing 
just how far his love can go, just how far, much farther than people expect is that forgiveness. Yeah. Did you hear that? The love that Jesus shows in both stories, it just shows us how far his love is willing to go. And the people that are most caught off guard might be the most comfortable who feel like it's incredibly scandalous. So, yes, Margie. I'm just struck by the simplicity of his mm. response. Like, he continued to teach in the office. Like, he desires us to pour ourselves out for him to that level. And his response is, you're forgiven, like, period. Like, move on. And it, it's, that's, like, so powerful to me. Uh, the simplicity of teaching and pushing through the awkward moment. Yeah, yeah, that's great. By the way, if you look at uh, verse 50, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Have we heard that phrase before? Where did we hear that? Old Testament, but Bartimaeus. Two weeks ago, that's what he tells Bartimaeus. Yeah. And by the way, Sozo, our, our student ministries program here at Renew called Sozo, S-O-Z-O. Right? Some of you may remember this. It's the Greek word for the verb to heal, which is also the same as to save. To be healed was to be saved, and to, to be saved was to be healed. So what is Jesus saying? In a sense, your faith has sozoed you. Yeah, good. What else? What are some other thoughts? Yeah, Alex. I thought it was interesting that um, there was no, neither of these stories, there was no um, salvation prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Say, like, she didn't say anything, actually. Actually, what she was doing, that seemed to show Yes. Yep, and that, that bothers some people. There's no, there's no prayer of salvation here. Same with Zacchaeus, right? There's no prayer. And he says, salvation's come to this house today. Wait a second, where was the prayer? It's because he knew in this woman and in Zacchaeus and others that their life was giving so much of themselves that he said, I know. I know you believe that. There's no shadow of a doubt in my mind. That's the case. Yeah, Blaine. Um, I think you have to look a little bit at the backstory too, starting at the beginning of Luke 7. Uh, his first act of coming into this little town was to resurrect, resurrect the dead man. Mm. Uh, and then right immediately after that, you know, he's talking to John's disciple. Uh, and going around healing uh, blind people, deaf people, lepers, uh, cripples of all kinds. This is all on the first day in this little bitty town in Maine. And then he, he dines with the Pharisee. Uh, if, Everybody had to be in awe of this man at that point, you know, just from his first day in the town. Yeah. You know, this woman, you've got a little town, how many harlots you got in the space? Hmm. The, the fact that she actually got into this meal astounds me. Yeah. And yeah. thereafter, Jesus' reaction is just, you know, wow. Yeah. Yeah, someone in the, in the Alum House Church said something similar, and I wrote it down. This was the quote. Think of the humility of Jesus who allowed a scandalous woman to serve Him. It's one thing for Him to serve a scandalous woman, but the humility 
to allow someone to serve Him, that's a little overwhelming. That's hard for me to wrap my brain around. Yeah. I want us to look real briefly at the table manners. That ever hit you? The table manners? This is how Leonard Sweet talks about if you could wrap up Jesus in the Gospels. Jesus ate good food with bad people. He ate good food with bad people. By the way, Jesus was killed because of his table manners. What does that say to us? You know, we talk about glimpses of Jesus and then trying to get glimpses of the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God. What do we do with this? You know? Pharisees were showing holiness by who they would not touch, but Jesus showed his by who he would touch. I mean, table manners. I mean, I think we at least have to ask who do we eat with? <laughs> who do you eat with? And. Are those the types of people that Jesus would eat with? That's probably good to sit with for like a few days, not talk about that now. But I just throw that out to say, who do we eat with? And are we ever getting in trouble by our Christian friends by saying, you ate with who? Do you know what they have done? Are you, kid- are you kidding me? Just a thought. Just a thought. Any other thoughts? So, yes. Yeah, Dan. Uh, I had some trouble with the idea of the weight of forgiveness. Mm. That really bothered me. Huh. I'm thinking like um, the Oscars are coming up. I think about different movies. And mm. if you look at movies, uh, there's an author who's talking, you know, when you, you see a commercial with a BMW driving uh, versus a movie with BMW racing through the streets, which one's going to be better? And um, what frustrates me is that I think in the evangelical community in times, competitiveness of our salvation. Uh, mm. It's sexier to have a story where you were a drug addict or a process to get up and talk. Mm. We kind of like, all oh, those stories are awesome. I wish it was that person. Mm. But then there's people who grew up in Christian houses who don't have that. This story almost justifies uh, the weightiness of someone who has more sins mm. coming into their salvation story. Whether that's a misinterpretation on some people's part, hmm. or it's the correct one, um, that frustrates me. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Either way, it goes back to zero, right? Huh. Going back to zero. But it seems like when he's talking here, the length back to zero is something very important. Hmm. Yeah. There's certainly something between forgiveness and love that's connected, right? By the way, when anytime you're reading a passage, you always ask, what's repeated? Because there's no bold, underline, italics, you know, that happens. In, but what's repeated over and over again? You guys notice? There's six times there's a word that's mentioned in here. Anybody see it? Dan just mentioned it. Forgiveness. So, when you read a passage, you want to know what the author of the passage is trying to say. Look at what's repeated over and over and over and over again. So, in these few verses, if forgiveness is mentioned six times, there's got to be a connection between love and forgiveness. Alright? And we could spend four more hours just on that particular topic, for sure. But I love the fact, in verse 39... I'm just so glad that Luke throws, throws this in. He says, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. 
And I think that's the good news. Because the gospel, the good news says, guess what? He was a prophet who did know and he still loved her anyway. It's not like Jesus is like, ooh, I made a mistake. I did not know that about her. (laughs) PR team needs some help. He knew it. If he were a prophet, which he is, he would know, which he does, that she's a sinner. The guy kind of answers his own question. You realize that, right? If he were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. And Jesus, being snarky, I think it was Jason Brand over here said, I love when Jesus gets sarcastic, you know? He says, Simon, let me tell you a story. And I love when he says, and he looked at the woman and said, Simon? So he's talking to Simon, but he's looking at the woman. You see that detail? Someone ever do that to you for dramatic effect? Right? So if I'm talking to, you know, I'll say, hey, Clyde, I want you to know something, Clyde. Clyde's like, wait, whoa, I'm supposed to be looking at Jason. Right? There's dramatic effect here, and he tells this story, right? Just like Margie's saying, right in the middle of a dramatic situation, instead of going, whoa, let's diffuse the tension, he increases the tension by telling the story. Right? But that's the good news. And Margie said in House Church last week, she said, our sin is ugly. We are marred. We are ugly, except by the, by the grace of God that covers up that sin. And the good news in this is verse 39. He is a prophet. He does know. He still loves. He still knows we're sinners. And he still does it anyway. That is amazing to me. Real briefly, and we're running out of time, did anybody have any thoughts about the particular sacrifice, about this several thousand dollar jar that's broken? Did you guys talk about that at all? Yeah, Sharon. Yeah, she could have sold it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's radical. That's scandalous. Okay? To put it in today's terms, it would be like going out and buying a brand new car and then driving it off a cliff and saying, that's my worship. Seriously. This is my way of worshiping Jesus and run the new brand, brand new car off the cliff. Now, there's a, a, a pastor up in New York and he had this great question which I can't let go of. He said, when was the last time your generosity made someone question your sanity? I think that's probably what Alex is saying, why he said your sins are forgiven. You know, you've been healed. Go. Because... There's a lot of sanity checking going on here. And Jesus goes, actually, the sanity in the kingdom of God is different than the sanity that's dictated by our culture. So then I ask you this question, and I think we have a slide for this. So what is your alabaster jar, and what are you going to do about it? What's that thing of such importance to you that you're waiting, you're saving, you're holding on to it? Your retirement fund, your nest egg, a future marriage, your sexuality, your fill-in-the-blank. What is your alabaster jar?
And what are you going to do about it? But Jesus loved the interruptions. Right? Ministry is in the interruptions. This is like a common theme, right? Bartimaeus, this story, about, you know, Zacchaeus, children. And in the interruptions, the really religious people say, hey, hey, do something. Hey, shh, shush him up. Tell him to be quiet. Get away. Right? So the rebuke is there, right? And I think Jesus in his snarkiness, and this may be a little too crass, but I really do think if Jesus were here today, when they're saying, hey, shut her up. Shut her up. Hey, shut Bartimaeus up. Be quiet. I think Jesus responds with this. No, you shut up. No, you shut up. Because this honors me. You shut up. No, you shut up. We kind of say, well, you're talking about Jesus. I think that's what's happening. Shut her up. No, you shut up. You shut up. Because of this is what you should be doing to me too. Woo! So anyway, there's, there's my heresy of the month. Jesus, you shut up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cindy. <laughs> Yeah. You didn't treat me the way you would treat a guest, and this woman, and you are thinking terribly about that, has done it, so he just basically said, shut up. Yeah. And insulted him. Yeah. How does that sit with you? Sort of Jesus, this loving, wonderful person, is going, no, no, you shut up. <laughs> Until he says it to us, right? <laughs> JR, you shut up. How does this. Give you a glimpse, and we just we need to land the plane here in just a moment. But like, what glimpses are we getting of Jesus? Right, this is that fourth question. What are we learning about the character of God or the nature of Jesus? Let's start there. What do we learn last gathering and this gathering about God's nature, His character, who Jesus is, what He's about? What's that new thought or that jolting reminder you're learning or being reminded of today? Yeah, well, the thing that struck me with the last verse. Uh, is the continuity of God's character. Huh. That through the Old Testament, some of us are taught in Sunday school that God was evil and mean and it was about His laws. Mm. But mm. His last words in this uh, be this episode is, by faith you have been saved, and that's exactly what He said to Abram. Mm. Mm. And so Good. here we are called to remember that continuity of God's character. Who He was, mm. He is who He is, and He is who He yeah, awesome. Yeah, April. Um, as a lot of hope, I guess, is what I get from the two stories uh. in that um, it doesn't matter who we are or where we came from, whether we come from a Christian family or we did come from a heroin addict or whatever, mm. that he, he accepts us where we are and steps beside us and walks with us. And mm. I think that is really helpful to me <coughs> to just realize that his love is just so gigantic that I can't even really wrap my mind around that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, Darcy. Demonstrations of great love seem to trump everything. Mm. Demonstrations of where his love seemed to trump everything? Yeah. 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 So then we need to ask, if this is who Jesus is, and we're committed to not just worshiping him, but following him too, what implications does this have for us as a church? What does this mean for us? Yeah, Dan. 
For me, it kind of woke up the sound of the week. Huh. Uh, you said Jesus was basically saying, Simon, I feel like in my own life, that's kind of what I need Dan, shut up and listen. Huh. Huh. So you're sensing that rebuke. Huh. Huh. Someone over here. Yes. Yeah, Jen. I'm like thinking of all kinds of things with everybody talking, but I think it's like no matter how far we think that we've come, we always need to take the humble step. Mm. Like mm. No matter how holy we think we are, no matter how much we think we have it right, or whatever the case may be, like we always need to remember where our place is, and yeah. we will always miss the mark. Huh. And like going back to like the whole like being forgiven has the bigger debt. It's like, is it worth eating? The fruit of knowledge to know mm. how much you're forgiven, or mm. you're better off not eating that and just knowing that you're being forgiven, even though your story may not be as like dramatic. Mm. Like you don't have to live with all those consequences of sin either. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. Great. Is it worth eating that fruit to know how much you're forgiven? Mm. I don't think so. Mm. I don't know. So mm. I don't know. I'm thinking of like all these like great things that um, I like this kind of video. Yeah. Yeah. There's lots of good thoughts. By the way, I want to mention this. Um, you know, we've been talking about this idea of 4440, right? So the 40 days of Lent that we really want to invite whoever wants to join us to read the four Gospels and ask, ask these four questions. And so if you're liking what's happening here and in your house churches, then I would say join us for this 4440 idea. Some of you have already emailed us. We've got about 25 or 30 people that have already signed up, which is really exciting. And so if that interests you, we want to be able to get you these cards, which is just basically that slide to have in your Bibles, and to share a little bit more. We're going to try to get together a few times during Lent, and Lent is coming up. So if during... If you're interested in this, either if you have signed up or you just say, tell me more, I'm curious, we're going to meet Doug and myself and whoever is interested up here during intermission. So if you need to you know, get your children in just a, a few moments and bring them, that's fine. But we want to be able to give these to you, answer any questions you may have, and, uh, and make sure we've got your contact information because we'll have some times together. But I agree, Jen, I'm loving this in terms of these interactions. So, I, again... I. I wish we could keep going because this is just awesome. And I'm loving the fact that we're engaging with this uh, so, so well. I want to I wanna end, and I, and I hate to end so quickly because I feel like we're just getting into the meat of it. But for the sake of Renew Kids and Renew Families, we want to we wanna make sure we, we are uh, somewhat on time here. Um, but I want to end by reading something that has moved me deeply by a guy that shaped me deeply named Dallas Willard. And this is in his book... Uh, the Divine Conspiracy, where he talks about the scandalous depth of God's love. So I want to read this and let this sink in, and then we're going we're gonna to land the plane. He said this, The flunk-outs and the dropped-outs and the burned-outs, the broke and the broken, the drug-heads and the divorced, the HIV-positive and herpes-ridden, the brain-damaged, the incurably ill, the barren and the pregnant too many times or at the wrong time. The overemployed, the underemployed, the unemployed, the unemployable, the swindled, the shoved aside, the replaced, the parents with children living on the street, and the children with parents not dying in the rest home, the lonely, the incompetent, the stupid, the emotionally starved or emotionally dead, and on and on and on. Jesus offers to all such people as these the present blessedness of the present kingdom, regardless of circumstances. Even the murderers and child molesters, the brutal and the bigoted, drug lords and pornographers, war criminals and sadists, terrorists, 
the perverted and the filthy and the filthy rich. Can't we feel some sympathy for Jesus' contemporaries who huffed at Him, this man is cordial to sinners and even eats with them? Sometimes I feel I don't really want the kingdom to be open to such people. But it is. That is the heart of God. If I, as a recovering sinner myself, accept Jesus' good news, good news, I can go to the mass murderer and say, you can be blessed in the kingdom of the heavens. There is forgiveness that knows no limits. To the pederast and the perpetrator of incest, to the worshiper of Satan, to those who rob the aged and the weak, to the cheat and the liar, the bloodsucker and the vengeful, blessed, 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 as they flee into the arms of the kingdom among us. Some of us may be struck by how scandalous God's love is and maybe even slightly offended. We need to sit with that. But I also know there's lots of hurting people in this room that say, I think maybe God could forgive me. I'm not sure. Or there's no way God could ever forgive me for what I've done. And to assure you, to say, if the sinful woman can have the creator of the universe, look at him and say, go, you have been saved, you have been healed, you have been sozoed, go in peace. He can say it to us too. That's astounding. So maybe that's the good news for you, or maybe what makes you uncomfortable is you say, maybe my Christianity has been a little too respectable. Maybe I know nothing of this idea of desperation. And maybe we need to wrestle with that too. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray uh, for us. And I want to encourage you, would you just open your hands up in front of you? And in a posture of receptivity, I'm just going to ask that um, there be um, a few seconds of silence for you to just uh, listen to God and let God listen to you with wherever the Spirit has um, met you in this story, what you need to learn or unlearn or confess or be encouraged about or respond to. I'm going to let that time happen, and then I will close this in prayer. Lord, would You forgive us of our respectable Christianity? Those times where we think we need to be all buttoned up and cleaned before we can come to You. When You actually teach clearly the the opposite. That we can actually come to You as dirty as we are and then let You clean us up. God, may we be a church that when prostitutes are pouring out valuable sacrifices in worship to You, that we don't shush her and we don't criticize You. Instead, we celebrate it because that's the kingdom. God, may we be people that when we smell nard, either literally or figuratively, 
that we remember that that's the smell of the kingdom because the kingdom is for desperate people. Remind us of the good news that we are high maintenance. And it's our high maintenance state that actually gives us the privilege and the access and the invitation to come to the table for communion. Thanks for this story, God. This story that jolts us and encourages us and rips us open in hopefully all the right ways. God, we need you. Forgive us when our pride gets in the way where we may be feeling like the sinful woman, but we just don't have enough swallowing ability of our pride to be able to step forward and say, I need help. May we be people that acknowledge clearly and unabashedly in a very raw way, I need your help, God, or I'm screwed. Thanks for that scandalous grace that's so deep that leaves no one out who wants to enter into the kingdom with you. And it's with that that we pray. Amen.